We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. They're going to kill the love of my life. Daisy! If I don't go back to what I was doing. This Friday. Our line of work is quite brutal and quite ruthless. How far would you go for love? You steal truck, bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous? Of course it's dangerous! Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain for love. Collide in theaters Friday. Rated PG-13. Maybe inappropriate for children under 13. When you're running your own business, you're bound to be busy. Too busy. Too busy worrying about your budget. Too busy scheduling appointments. Too busy to build a website for your business. And because you're too busy, it has to be easy. And that's where Wix.com comes in. With Wix.com, it's easy for you to create your stunning website. Go to Wix.com and create your website today. It's easy and free. That's Wix.com. Welcome into the Rotowire Basketball Podcast presented by DraftKings.com. DraftKings is the leader in daily fantasy sports. You can use the promo code ROTOHOOPS. That's R O T O H O O P S. When you deposit on DraftKings, that'll get you a free contest entry today. All right, it is Thursday, January 14th. Nick Whalen joined, as I always am, by Rotowire's own James Anderson to talk some NBA. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about some of the storylines from Wednesday night's games. We'll get into uh, kind of a look at some of the the young young players in the league, kind of evaluate where they're at right now, look at some of the disappointments in the league so far, and, uh, and then we'll get into a couple prospects as well as we usually do. Um, so let's get right into it. Um, I mean, were you able to watch many games last night? I know we had uh, Roto Hoops League last night, which went until about eight eight thirty. So that kind of knocked out the early games, unfortunately. But did you catch any of the late action? I didn't, uh, you know, wouldn't have guessed just looking at the schedule that the Nuggets Warriors game would have been worth my time at all and, and didn't get around to seeing that. But obviously uh, the Warriors, you know, every team kind of struggles going into Denver just with the high altitude, not not the easiest place to play. 
but not having Draymond Green's clearly a, a huge a huge issue. Right. I mean, he's the, obviously they can't afford to be without Steph Curry, but Draymond Green's a very, very, very close second there, I think. Right. It's, I mean, Golden State allowed 32 points in the first quarter, not something you see uh, very often from them. They're trailing uh, going into halftime, and then Denver came out again and built a double-digit lead going into the fourth, and that's about when I turned it on, you know, seeing that uh, on League Pass. And, you know, at that point, you kind of figured even without Draymond, you know, it's like this is a bad Nuggets team. You still have every other piece you know, that this team needs. And, and Golden State, to their credit, I mean, they did make it close. I mean, with this was still an 11-point game midway through the quarter uh, at the six-minute mark. Uh, and then Steph Curry kind of started doing some Steph Curry things. Uh, in, in less than a minute span, he hits a three, hits three free throws after being fouled on another three. All of a sudden, it's a five-point game with a little over four minutes left. But what impressed me most is just Denver was hitting shots. You know, it wasn't a situation where, you know, you would say they got lucky or somebody for Golden State just had a really off night. You know, I mean, Curry pulled up from, I think I told you, at 37. I don't know what they officially mark it as, but, I mean, he was way – 33 is what the the line score has here. Uh, A 33-foot three-pointer with under a minute left. Uh, Just when it looked like Denver – there were like two or three times in the final minute where it looked like Denver had finally made the play that they needed, whether it was a rebound or, you know, a Will Barton basket or a Darrell Arthur long two, which he hit a couple of in the last minute. And it seemed like, all right, this is it. They finally got him. You know, it was 109-102 with a minute left, but – Golden State just didn't give up. Harrison Barnes had a couple baskets. Curry, like I said, Thompson hit a, a very tough three um, when it looked like you know Denver had finally put the the final of like four daggers uh, into Golden State, and and they did have a chance to win it. You know, down two, I think there was two point eight on the clock. They they got lucky and were able to inbound from the sideline when you know I, I think a lot of people thought they should have had to do from the baseline. There was a free throw situation. Den- Gallinari was shooting. He missed the second. Clay Thompson got the rebound, and rather than call timeout, he started dribbling up court. Um, so once you dribble, you you lose the ability, even if you call a timeout, to advance the ball. Uh, but the refs ended up crediting Luke Walton with the timeout, you know, allegedly before the dribble, whatever it was. Um, and they got a decent look. Thompson was contested on, on the sideline, and he, and he put one off the back iron as time expired. But even without Draymond, I mean, this is a shocking result, right? I don't think it would be that surprising if they lost to, you know, the Clippers, the Mavs, even the team like the Rockets or something without Draymond. But, I mean, this is the Nuggets. This kind of goes to show just how hard it is to win 70-plus games in the NBA because obviously nobody would have predicted uh, the outcome here. But you have, you know, the, probably overlooking the Nuggets, I, I would imagine. I mean, you wouldn't imagine a team that's on pace to win 72 uh, maybe 73 games like the Warriors are losing to a team who's uh, second, third, and fourth highest scorer in this game were Gary Harris, Daryl Arthur, and Will Barton. Uh, Daniel Gallinari, 19 free throw attempts. The Warriors as a team took 20. So, uh, you know, a lot of funky stuff going on. And just, I mean, you're going to lose games like this in the NBA, just games where <laughs> you kind of look past an opponent, maybe. Uh, you know, some players start the game kind of kind of taking it easy. I mean, they're they're running a pretty funky lineup out there with Rush and Thompson, so uh, this doesn't really worry me at all if I'm a Warriors fan. Well, it's just tough, too, because of how unique Draymond is for what they do. You know, it's not like, you, you know, other teams, for example, you know, the Clippers being without Blake Griffin, is that you can find somebody who, you know, isn't nearly as good as Blake Griffin, but at least, like, does fairly similar things in that spot. Like, you, you can't just put Jason Thompson into that lineup and say, all right, do what Draymond does. You might not do it as well, but you can't even like ask him to make those type of plays, you know? So like they, they end up playing really a completely different style. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm surprised that they went with Thompson in the starting lineup. He only played 13 minutes, so it doesn't really matter, but uh, would have made more sense, I think, to go with, with Barnes there. But, you know, what, whatever. This, this is a game that they've already forgotten about, so it's not really worth talking about much longer. Right, and they're, they're hosting L.A. now tonight, and I think the line that I last saw on that one is Golden State by 17. So I think the over, even if Draymond doesn't play again tonight, which might be the case, uh, you know, the over seems pretty safe there. Um, but the Wizards knocked off the Bucks. We won't talk any about that game, although the Bucks did turn it over 27 times, which doesn't happen uh, very often these days. Um, the Hornets blew out the Hawks. The Nets knocked off the Knicks. No Carmelo. Uh, probably doesn't seem like anything that's going to keep him out long term. Uh, but you had an interesting trade uh, in the Rotowire Keeper League involving Carmelo recently, or at least a trade offer. Yeah, so it's it's kind of become a three horse race in that that staff keeper league, and 
Ken Kreitz has been making some trades that really put him as the odds-on favorite to win, even though he's third in the standings right now. He recently acquired uh, Durant, Cousins, and LeBron James while not giving up a ton that's going to hurt him this year, just kind of some really cheap keeper options to to, to teams that weren't contending this year. So I, I don't really feel that good about my chances, but uh, needed – uh, Three-point shooting, free throw percentage are the two categories I was chasing, so I had a deal in line to get Carmelo and Dirk while giving up Andrew Wiggins, uh, who we're going to talk about in a second, and uh, Tobias Harris. And then the the person that I was dealing with wanted me to throw in Joel Embiid. I felt like that was kind of uh, putting my feet to the fire a little bit because you know he's getting Wiggins and Tobias Harris on super cheap contracts relative to what they'd go for in auction and I'm not going to be keeping Carmelo or Dirk Nowitzki no matter what so I thought it was fair and you know I I proposed it back without Embiid and haven't heard back so we'll see what happens there are you pretty high on Embiid still about as high as he as you can be at this point you know as far as what he can be no I mean I I I would bet on him really becoming nothing in the NBA just based on the the medicals but it just seemed like a completely unnecessary inclusion in that deal to, uh, it just seemed like I was giving up you know a lot and then some so I, I just kind of drew the line there even though I, I theoretically don't don't value him that much at all so the two guys that Embiid uh you know is most often I guess compared to or at least the situation is you know Greg Oden of course that's the obvious one and then Andrew Bynum do you see this being a situation where he could end up being closer to Odin where, you know, the foot just keeps recurring and keeps recurring and you, you know, you never really get to see an extended look at him or it could be like Bynum where he's an all-star. He puts together, you know, two, two and a half really good years. And then the injuries start coming again. You know, this is a guy who has, I think, similar off the court concerns as Bynum. Um, You know, obviously there's, there were reports Uh a few months ago of insubordination, not wanting to follow through with his rehab, drinking drinking Shirley Temples, like by the pitcher. Um, So I I don't know. There's there. That concerns me almost as much as the the medicals do themselves. I would bet on it being closer to Odin. Just, I mean, the amount of time he's missed is, I don't even, I don't remember how much time Bynum missed, but I I don't think it was two full seasons. Uh, It was, yeah, it was like he would sign with the Cavs for a week and then all of a sudden the Bulls on him. Well, I mean, but this is happening to start his career. Right. Like, I mean, that's that's the thing is like, it's not a mid-career thing like can he come back right, right. Bynum like, I mean Bynum, Bynum played 80 he played right. 46 games as a rookie when he was barely playing and then 82 the next year and yeah. then is when that's when the injuries so began after that's that. why I think it's more of an Odin thing is because it's it's starting the career off like this so it's like there's two years in between him playing competitive basketball or really playing basketball at all so I just don't see much of a precedent for a guy like that ever amounting to much in the NBA or being able to stay healthy for a prolonged period of time yeah, yeah, that's certainly fair enough. Um, so let's look at some guys, some other young players, guys who've been drafted either this past year, uh, the year before, or the year before that. In in one case here, Jabari Parker, Andrew Wiggins, Julius Randle, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Justice Winslow. Kind of a, a little bit of a hodgepodge, I guess, a group of guys who we kind of threw together and, and are kind of somewhat in similar situations in that, you know, Giannis and, and Wiggins, I think, are a little bit further along in their development as far as like giving us a sample size of what, what they might be. Uh, Randall, you know, is dealing with the Byron Scott issue right now. Parker, you know, still coming back from the knee injury, basically three quarters of the way, two thirds of the way through what would be his rookie year, uh, and then Winslow kind of playing a bench role, uh, but but seeing decent minutes at least for the Miami Heat. So basically, what I wanted to ask you is, of those five guys—Parker, Wiggins, Randall, Giannis, and Winslow—where would you rank them as far as assets going forward? Guys, you would want you know on your team, either from a fantasy perspective or or a real basketball perspective. I think that kind of will overlap here. Uh, yeah. So from from both perspectives, I'd have Giannis first, Wiggins second, Randall third, and then. From a fantasy perspective, I'd have Parker fourth and Winslow fifth. From a real-life perspective, I'd have Winslow fourth and Parker fifth. Uh, Obviously, factoring in the fact that Winslow really, we don't know what to project from him offensively. I think he's definitely established that he's going to be a rotation player, possibly even on like a championship-caliber team just because of his defense and sort of his ability to to do stuff without plays being run for him. 
I mean, it, you brought this up to me the other day. That's, I mean, that's why we kind of thought about talking about it on the pod. And the, the most interesting part of this is uh, before the season, I would have said Wiggins first, Giannis second. And now I think it's it's quite easily Giannis first and Wiggins second. So I mean that's that's kind of the big change from from before the season. Yeah, and that's that's another reason why we wanted to talk about this is we had the same conversation kind of at the end of the summer, and we were both unanimous. You know, it, it's obviously Wiggins, and you know you could make a case for Giannis. There's certainly a, a you know a pro Bucks contingent that would argue <laughs> Giannis and would have at the time. And I mean, is it more that Giannis has has improved, or is it that Wiggins has just really not taken the next step? Uh, it's probably more on Wiggins' end. I, I don't think Giannis has improved any more so than I would have met. Like Giannis is where I thought he'd kind of be this season. Uh, Wiggins is definitely not where I thought he'd be right now. You know, all of his numbers are down uh, except for points per game, and that's just because he's got a bigger role in the offense and is playing more minutes. So uh, don't really look at that too much but I mean the fact that he's now shooting below 30 percent from three point is a is a big uh red flag and and part of that's because Sam Mitchell isn't asking him I I don't think he's stressing that development which is which is another reason why Sam Mitchell shouldn't be the coach there but it's that's Sam Mitchell who checked in at number 29 uh, on our coach rankings in the last podcast uh the very same and and so you know that's that's part of it but Wiggins just you got to be able to shoot better than 30 percent from three if you're going to be a player like him and then the other big thing that I that I hate to kind of see happening is just the lack of development in terms of him being a defensive presence I mean he should be you know he's got all the physical gifts to be one of the better on ball defenders on the wing in the league for for about a decade and I just don't see any evidence that that's that's happening so you know he's not never going to be a playmaker I didn't I didn't never expected really that from him he's kind of a score rebounder uh you want him to be a defender as well but right now it's just kind of volume scoring and not much else yeah and how much of a concern is it that that he's not going to be that playmaker type I mean when you have Rubio assuming assuming Rubio is their guy going forward you don't necessarily need Andrew Wiggins to be giving you five, six assists per night, but you also want to be you know up above where he is right now, which is in the one point seven mm-hmm. per game. I mean, I think I think he is a volume scorer, and there's certainly a lot of value there. But I mean, you have to have one point seven per game is is absolutely ludicrous. Right. I thought he'd be maybe around like three per game this year, and then maybe like in his peak years around like four and a half ish, uh, which isn't great that's still not great you should be able to get to that just by having the ball that much and drawing that much attention from the defense I mean I don't think that's too much when his usage is up over six percent this year too so it's it's that I I still am more concerned about the three-point shooting in the defense more so than the playmaking because that was never going to be his calling card but it is just another you know makes makes matters worse that he hasn't developed in that respect so uh I yeah I mean I I still I'm not writing him off because of the the Sam Mitchell thing I think is just it's impossible to kind of evaluate him right now but it's it's not a good start to 2016 for him all right so let's talk about Giannis then so this is the guy who's pretty much been up and down throughout the year got off to a strong start you know was averaging close to 17 uh six rebounds and a couple assists through the first month and then in December you know the Bucks started going through a bit of a rough patch to say the least and then Giannis kind of followed suit a bit of a rough start to January as well. A couple decent games sprinkled in there. He had 18 and seven against Chicago, but then back-to-back single-digit scoring games uh, against Dallas and New York. But these last two games now, and again, this is kind of an encapsulation of what the season has been. But arguably his best game of the year on Tuesday against Chicago: 29-10, five assists, a block, and a steal. Did have four fouls in that game. Fouls continue to be an issue for him, and and that's something that he's going to have to get over at some point. But he comes back uh, last night in their loss to the Wizards with 19 points, 11 rebounds, six assists, a block, and two steals. I mean, this this isn't peak Giannis Antetokounmpo by any means. I think he's far too young to say that. But these are the kind of numbers that I would expect from him. You know, not as as like peak games. You know, this season, like these are like his best games of the year. I think these, this is what he could be looking at on like a game to game basis. Right. Maybe next season, the season after. I think we both agree that he's not going to be a a guy that you can give the ball to and say go score thirty. He's a guy that you can give the ball to sometimes and say go give us twenty five points, ten rebounds, four or five assists, a couple steals, and maybe two blocks. 
Yeah, he's he's really, you know, his trajectory is kind of exactly where you'd want it to be right now. All of his notable numbers and rate stats are, are up and have gone up each of the last uh, two seasons. He's, you know, still he's rebounding at a high rate. He's... Uh, turning the ball over less percentage-wise. I mean, more per game, but less in terms of... Per 36, it's the yeah. same, which I think is fine. Um, You'll live with that, with the usage up. And his, yeah, his usage is up. The turnovers are the same. So, uh, you know, the, the three-point shooting, still an issue, but that's that's been part of his sort of streakiness that you alluded to because, like, I, I feel like at times it looks good and I, and you can tell it's that he's feeling pretty good from there, and then at times it's just... The kind shot of. always looks good, but the confidence is not there. He needs so much time to kind of mm-hmm. – he almost shoots at like a free throw now. You know, yeah. he, he makes sure to follow through. And like, like I said, you know, the form looks great, but he's not a guy that you can like, you know, three seconds left on the shot clock, you know, you that drive would, and kick to him in the corner. Like he can't get that shot off even despite his height. Or he can, he can get it off, but it's not going in because he has to rush it. That's going to be a work in progress for him for the next couple of years. I, I don't see him getting to where you want him to be in that department till you know maybe his sixth or seventh year in the league but uh, assuming he continues to make strides everywhere else it's not going to be that big of an issue uh you know it's going to get to the point it's kind of like you know maybe maybe a comparison is lebron's like post game like he never really got to where everyone wanted him to be as a as a post player until like his seventh or eighth year in the league uh, that might be kind of Giannis in terms of three-point shooting, but I mean, I, I still think he's like a top ten asset in the league. Uh, top ten. If you just look at his age, and I mean, hmm. if you if you could own any player for like the next five years, like I think Giannis is easily like a top yeah. ten. It's interesting because I think in the Bucks community, at least this season is I don't know if it's quite a disappointment, but I don't think that I don't think that people you know in and around the Bucks see this as him taking a huge step this year. I think it's. I think the development has tailed off a little bit, and mostly I think is because of the lack of shooting. That was such a, you know, a huge emphasis at the mm-hmm. end of last season, and it seemed like, you know, he has the whole summer. Of course, he'll get better, and like he's, he's the same basically. And that I think that's that's been a problem for people. But he's a better ball handler than last season. He's a better well, finisher at the rim than last season. And and like you said, a lot of guys that can't shoot, it, it's not just something that happens over four months. And he's taken fifty four threes this year, so it's not like he's right. That's uh, way, that's ten more than he took all of last season. And it's it's not that to me. That's not you know. It's not like he's taken like one hundred and ten threes, and it's just made. 20 well, the thing is, if like. you watch the Bucks, though, you kind of want him to take that many. Honestly, I don't care if he's shooting twenty five percent. Like the the what happens often, and this happens with, with any kind of offense with players like this, is like it bogs down the offense that he's not mm-hmm. shooting them. Like, even if he's going to make one out of four, it's oftentimes a better shot than what they end up getting by him hesitating, passing right. it to someone and making O.J. Mayo shoot a step-back jumper with two seconds left on no, the shot clock, right. like, stuff like that. So it, it it just kills the Bucks' spacing. And we know Jabari Parker, I think he's attempted five three-pointers on the yeah. year, over well, five. I mean, Giannis is 21, so yeah. it's not there's a lot of stuff he's going to learn over the next three years that he doesn't really know right now in terms of just how to play and everything. But I still think overall you have to be encouraged. I mean, he's a 21 year old who is doing some crazy things that a lot of, I mean, a lot of players in the NBA can are never going to be able to do. So I'm not too worried about him. Yeah. I, I think some of the, some of the metrics don't necessarily favor him right now, especially, you know, the defensive metrics and the plus minus type of things. But when you're on a team like Milwaukee, that's you know can get blown out any night. I think that kind of skews things like that. Um, let's talk about Jabari. Well, we're already talking about Milwaukee. Had his first 20-point game of the season last night, which is great, but also not great that it took you know what 40 games in for that to happen. Um, I've been pretty vocal on on this podcast and and elsewhere that I I'm disappointed with where Parker's at right now and. I know it's I know it's basically his rookie year and he's still working back from the ACL but I mean this is this isn't the same type of game that we saw from him that was so so effective at Duke. No. Uh he's he's just a player I think that might have been uh an error an era too late like he his type of game I feel like would have fit in a lot better in the 90s. Uh really good field goal percentage for for a player like him but you know not shooting threes like you said uh the rebounding is not like I thought I was way down on him as a prospect coming out of Duke but even I thought he would be like a eight rebounds a night type of guy uh that's not been there but I mean the minutes are down so you can't quite hold him 
that accountable there, but I mean, still 5.8 rebounds per 36. That's, that's leaves a lot to be desired. Not much at all defensively. I mean, even he's got some steals, but he gets eaten alive by most, most good players that are, that he's trying to guard. So, um, not, I'm not surprised at all by what he's done this year. I kind of expected this. Do you see much of a, you know, much of an improvement, I guess, happening, whether it's as this season goes on, as the Bucks kind of presumably fall further down and maybe hand over the offense a little bit more to him? I, or I would, I would try to trade him if I was them. Like I would, I'd be letting teams know. I wouldn't be making it like super well known that hey, like what 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 will you give us for Parker that type of thing but you know I'd come asking about a certain asset and then I'd try to get another team to say well we might do it for Parker and then I'd be like oh I'll have to think about that and then you you do it but this is a situation where you don't want it to go public whatsoever right because if you do end up holding on to him then you have that right. cloud of you know do they even want me here it's, you know they're gonna give yeah. up that early so, I don't think the Bucks are gonna entertain I really think he's off limits honestly mm, although there was a report in is. the Racine Journal Times yesterday that said that both Giannis and Parker are available for the right price which to right. me just means that's, that's anybody's of everyone's yeah. available for the right price um they I think you're right like I don't think they're going to consider trading him just because like the owners obviously are probably going to go down with that pick like I mean that that was I feel like that was an ownership pick as much as it was a, a front office pick so I think that they're just going to eat this one probably, and they might be willing to trade him, but by then it'll be too late to get anywhere near right. what you could have gotten right now. Uh, I just – I don't see this getting – I don't see him ever becoming really close to the player that the Bucks thought they were getting when they took him. I think he can get close. I, I mean, we don't really know what they were expecting, I guess. I, I mean, they it's... were expecting him to be, like, their best player. Like... I think so, too. But, they, <laughs> but I mean, what I – what I don't understand about how they're going about this development is like they want him to do that, but they don't necessarily put him in positions to do it. You know, you're asking him to play the four, which he's never done before, mm-hmm. which takes him out of ball handling well, scenarios. He played, the, he played the four at Duke. Did he? Pretty how sure. often? I thought that was all he played at Duke. I don't. I mean, he's handled the ball a heck of a lot more. But at I mean, Duke. he was always the second biggest guy mm-hmm. out there for them. Like, I mean, he was. I I thought he played the four. I mean, I I'm I sure he did at times. I mean, and they, you, he was playing next to. I'd have to look this up, but there, I think he would. There the three. There was basically almost a three guard lineup, and then him and a big, um, if I remember correctly. So I mean, I don't I don't think you can necessarily blame it on him not knowing how to play the four. I think he might yeah. have come into the NBA thinking of himself maybe as a three. So maybe there's an adjustment well, he is a three. Sense. I just don't I don't understand why. He could, he's either an oversized three or an undersized four. Like, wouldn't you want to well, be? Well, like, what the, do you think? What do you think Tobias Harris is? Tobias Harris is like two inches taller than Jabari Parker, isn't he? I thought they were both six eight. I thought Tobias was like six nine, six ten. I think Tobias Harris to six, me nine. is a Tobias Harris to me has is a little bit more of a swing, but I think he's a three. Okay, well, I I think those two are basically the the same. Like, I think. A perfect scenario. God, don't say that. I think the, I think a perfect scenario for the Bucks is for Parker to turn into Tobias Harris, and I don't know if that. And makes, then does that make trade you, him for JJ Redick? Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, no. I think I think like current Tobias Harris is like, sadly, like that's kind of what the ceiling looks like now. Yeah, you know, exactly. like rather than it being like, and this isn't a perfect comparison, but like Paul George, you know, a guy. Right. I don't think they ever saw. They didn't see Parker as like LeBron Durant no. CP level, but I think they saw him as like a tier two superstar. Sure, you know. Um, which he's not. Which he's I mean, not. Like he, like I, I think you're right. Like I think if he, if we're looking at at Parker in two years and saying, you know, like he's, you know, what's what's Tobias doing right now? He's he's good for, you know, fifteen, fourteen, and seven, and shoots a good shoots, percentage. Shoots a good percentage, and and has gotten his three point stroke to the point where he can take them in games, and it's not the worst thing in the world. I think that that's that's a favorable outcome if that's the way things end up going for Parker and Tobias Harris. You know, basically a borderline max player in today's NBA. So I mean, that's not a bad outcome. No, it really isn't. That's the thing. Is like I think for Bucks fans, it's different right. because obviously what happened with Tobias Harris in Milwaukee. But yeah, I mean, you don't. I wouldn't say you're rooting for Jabari to to top out at Tobias Harris, but you could certainly do worse. Like that wouldn't be a bust. I, if I was a Bucks fan, I would take that. Like yeah, I wouldn't. <laughs> if, yeah, if somebody gave you the yeah. option, kind of like a deal or no deal yeah. scenario, where they're like, all right, you can risk that he'll be better than Tobias Harris, or you can guarantee that he'll be as good as Tobias yeah. Harris. Like it'd be tempting. I'm fine with that. Yeah. Sure. Um, all right, so let's take a look at, at uh, Julius Randle. Then this is another guy who's kind of been playing two positions: small forward, power forward. 
to me, he seems more like a power forward, even though he kind of has oh, yeah. a similar body to Parker. Like he, he just plays more like a power forward, yeah. if that makes sense. Oh yeah. Um, he's kind of landed in Byron Scott's doghouse of late. That's that's put a little bit of a damper on things. But I mean, this is a guy who's on a similar type of trajectory as Parker, given their injury his situations. Um, yeah, yeah. What were you gonna say? Well, I, I I'm sure you have his BRF uh, page up right now, but without looking, I don't. Without looking, can you tell me how many rebounds he's averaging per 36? Uh, I'm gonna guess thirteen and a half. Thirteen. So he is a monster when he even like, like even on nights when he gets like twenty minutes, he'll yeah. give you eleven rebounds. Like that's why he's a power forward is because he's just a natural double double machine. You know, like that's that's his his destiny in the NBA is to be a double double machine that starts at the four and kind of gives you, you know, average defense. I guess. I mean, he he'll probably get eaten up by certain fours. He'll he'll be fine against other fours, but you know, he's you really like him for what he does on the glass and kind of how relentless he is around the rim yeah I like him I like him a lot too he's I think he's just a little bit held back one by the coaching situation and that team situation and two just by the fact that he if he was like one inch taller I would like really 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 like him as a as like a big time power forward prospect going forward but he just doesn't quite profile to to match up with you know the the LaMarcus Aldridge types and you know guys who are legit 6'10 6'11 um, and maybe once he, you know, once he puts on more muscle, he's already, I mean, basically this was his body when he was like 17, mm-hmm. which is, which is nice. I mean, he's, he's a step ahead of most of these guys. Um, and he, I mean, this is really his rookie season. He played what one half of one game last year. Um, so I think given all the circumstances, like he's been pretty good. I mean, if he was on a team with a normal coach and was in like a normal rotation, I think the I think the hype would be a lot bigger. What do you think is his like see Like what, what type of player? is his ceiling because you're looking at like a power forward that is is a great rebounder uh good at scoring within like 15 12 feet and can't really give you much in terms of block shots or assists uh kind of we we've yet to see what he can do in terms of efficiency because right now he's shooting just 40 percent but a lot of that as he said is who his teammates are you know the coaching and everything like that but uh, you know what type of player sort of fits this mold of like a a, a double double power forward that's not going to block shots? I don't know. I mean, is is it kind of Blake Griffin? He's kind of like a Blake Griffin light to me. Not not nearly the playmaker. I, I'm think I'm thinking like a like this is like poor man's. Like I want to establish poor man's. Like I'm not saying he's the next uh, this guy, but like kind of Carl Maloney, like. <laughs> Just, just uh, Carl Malone's stepbrother, Carl Malone. Right, like, like Carl Malone was he? Carl Malone came into the league at twenty-two, uh, averaged seventeen and ten, shot almost fifty percent, but also never in his career, except for like one or two years, averaged a block a game. So, you know, you're talking about a guy like a, a supreme physical specimen that just did not give you much at all on defense and didn't give you much at all in terms of. Uh, Helping so you want to go on the record, Julius Randle, yes. next Carl Malone, yes, that is next Carl Maloney. Yeah. Excuse that's, me. That's, he's he's a little Carl Maloney. <laughs> no, I think I think <laughs> he's trying to push things a little too much. That's when I when I watched the Lakers, yeah. it's you, you don't you never really saw it, and I didn't watch a ton of Carl Malone, you know, being <laughs> when I was like negative four years old. Yeah. But like, you never you didn't really see a lot of Carl Malone one on one like shake and bake ISOs at sure. the top of the key, and like Randle does a little too much of that right now, and I think that's a product of. I don't know when I'm going to be in the game again. You know, it's like come in, you want to make an impact. You're on a team where there isn't necessarily a ton of accountability for things like that. And I think he's, it's not really selfish. I don't blame him because, like I said, he doesn't know. Like when he comes out, he might not come back in for another quarter and a half. So I think there's a little bit of a an issue with him pressing sometimes to try to make plays that necessarily aren't there. This is like the second or third time we've gotten to this point on the podcast. But wouldn't it be nice if? The Lakers and the T Wolves young players had good coaches. Be, it wouldn't, wouldn't it? Nice. Yeah, maybe. And maybe we shouldn't be so hard on Wiggins because yeah, that's he's, what I'm saying. He's in like a less than ideal situation. You can't fully judge either of these guys mm-hmm. right now just because of the way things are being run. All right. So what about Justice Winslow? We'll keep it short on him just because yeah. we don't have the sample that we do with some of these other guys. The shooting numbers are terrible, which is kind of surprising because he was a really good three point shooter at Duke. Uh, definitely not. He was a really good, just off efficient offensive player, playmaker. Like, yeah, like, and like I mean. He, you don't want to talk summer league, but in summer league, I mean, he was running fast break, you know, racking yeah. up great assist numbers, and obviously he doesn't have those opportunities now. 
uh, with the way that this Heat team operates with so many veterans. But I mean, is there a if you're bringing in a guy like Winslow? Let's say you have you know a clone of him. Um, do you think it's better to bring up a guy like him in an organization like the Heat, the Spurs, you know, the Celtics, whatever it might be, like a good team where you can ease him in? Or do you think it's better to do take the Wiggins approach and just say, all right, this is your team, kid, you know, throwing you in the fire? No, I, I want him on a team like the Heat. Uh, I just I think you can't overrate how important that is to, to kind of come up in, in a culture of, of winning like that, really good coaching, uh, players to kind of look up to. I, I still – wish that that Wiggins had gone to the Cavs and and gotten to come up uh next to LeBron I just think that that would have been really good for his development I mean there wouldn't have been do you think LeBron would have given him like the Brett Favre treatment I think it wouldn't like I don't think LeBron would have taken him under his wing necessarily but you can still glean because like LeBron kind of seems to do that with Kyrie he that's because like Kyrie I think it's a lot easier for him to be like big brother, little brother to like a point guard, like Kyrie, who's never been like compared to him. Then like, you know, he's heard like, he heard like Wiggins is the next LeBron and stuff like yeah. that. You know, he doesn't like that. I mean, but it's I, also not like the Cavs like are bringing Wiggins in to like be the next LeBron or like compete well, with LeBron, would, you know, like I would have kind of phrased it more as like, uh, here's, you know, he can be maybe in a couple of years, he can be your Scotty Pippen, like, right. that type of thing. Like, and I think LeBron would eventually have gotten to the point where he was all in on making Wiggins better. I don't think it would have been super smooth right away, but I still th- I would have preferred him to come in uh, in practice with LeBron, um, you know, watching LeBron in games, that type of thing, than to come up with Sam Mitchell as his coach and Tayshaun Prince and Kevin Martin and like guys like that. I mean, it just doesn't seem like a great developmental atmosphere on the on the same hand like you don't want him because lebron's probably never leaving cleveland uh you wonder how many years into wiggins career he would have been seeing 36 minutes a game like it might have been not until like year three or four right so that wouldn't have been great but uh you know i look at Kawhi leonard's rookie season with the spurs i mean he was 7.9 points five rebounds you know nothing special i mean 24 minutes a game he shot it at a much better clip than winslow is right now but i think that that's that's kind of the blueprint that's how you want like i mean even tim duncan going into the spurs i mean that that's kind of how it happens ideally i mean when when dirk nowitzki went to the mavs he was he was coming up with with kind of a, a winning group of guys uh I think Jim Jackson and Jamal Mashburn might have been on that team. And then the Lakers, you know, Kobe goes in and he's got Eddie Jones and, and Shaq and guys like that. So uh just seems like a much better environment. Like, I mean, it can work the other way. Yeah, we've with, seen it work both ways, with like you know. Vince and like Trace McGrady. Trace, well, even LeBron, have. Durant. I mean, I mean, LeBron was going to be LeBron. That's the thing. Like, I think I use that example too like, much because like LeBron is an exception in like yeah. every sense of the word. Durant was going to be Durant regardless. Uh, Jordan was going to be Jordan regardless. Yeah, it's it's guys like Winslow yeah. who you could totally see going right. either way. Yeah, exactly. You know. Yeah, that's a good point. Okay, and I think Kawhi is one of those guys. You know, like who knows where Kawhi would be mm-hmm. right now if he had, if it, if that trade hadn't gone down and he was on the Pacers. Yeah. Like who knows what would be going on? Um, let's finish this out a little bit. Just talk about like, who's been your biggest disappointment individually this season, not team. Um, you know, Wiggins is kind of one of the guys we've thrown out there, and it's tough to say that about a guy averaging 20 points per game. But you know, we we pretty much laid out our argument. Like the metrics don't look good. No, he's down across the board and, and things like that. But I mean, is there anyone else? We talked about Ty Lawson is one of those guys, but I think you and I both agree. Like, I don't think we expected a whole lot of Ty Lawson. It's surprising how bad he's been, but I also wasn't expecting him to just zap back into All Star form right away. I Ty Lawson doesn't really crack this for me because i i could have easily seen that going either way uh nico miritich for the bulls you know his his advanced stats aren't as bad as i thought they would be like he you know his his pr is still eh, it's okay uh he's shooting better from three point than i than i thought he was but 39.8 percent shooting overall that just kind of speaks to just terrible shot selection uh really this was supposed to kind of be the year that he was going to take a a bit of a leap you know he's 24 years old it's not like he's a 19 year old who's still trying to find himself last year there were definitely flashes of uh you know great 
stretch four potential. I think it, it hurts him a little bit that he's been played at the three a little bit this year. He definitely shouldn't be playing there almost almost ever. Uh, can he play defensively at the four though? Like, is that that's kind of the I reason? I think he right? can play defensively at the four better than he can play defensively at the three. Like, yeah, well, that's the thing. It's like he's undersized for the four, but he's like I'd, under I'd, quick for the. Three. I'd rather have him guarding fours than trying to hang with some threes out on the perimeter. What is what is his future like trajectory? Like, what kind of player can he be? Like, is he does he top out as like a Ryan Anderson? Gallo, maybe. Gallo, Gallo's a good one. I think Gallinari like is a passable defender at least. Yeah, and a better I don't think I don't think Miritich can't get to passable defensively i i don't I'm, yeah it's I'm not, not it's not like he has inherently yet, slow tendencies i just like, wouldn't want him playing the three like that's like gallo works at the three gallo six eight meritage is six ten i i don't really get that and i like the, actually he doesn't look six ten yeah well i'm a little yeah. skeptical is what i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> i mean he's he's my guy who's who's your guy I'm, Wiggins actually might be my guy. Yeah, Wiggins was kind of the name I thought of. I mean, Kobe you could throw out there depending on what your expectations were. He's kind of in the Lawson category where it's like, I mean, Lawson didn't have the injuries, but Kobe, it's like, look at the injuries. Look at the age. Like, mm. why would you expect this guy to be good? But, I mean, he also bottomed out to the point that, like, I didn't think he'd be that bad. Right. Um, Victor Oladipo moving to the bench early in the year was mm. a big disappointment. Um, you know, we talked about Miritich, the Hawks, like any one of those guys, really. Even Damari Carroll, who's not even with the Hawks anymore, and he's had injuries. But even before the injuries, uh, Toronto's kind of been playing well in spite of him. Kyle Korver's been way down. Al Horford, I kind of thought would take a bigger step forward this year, and that's basically just been Millsap keeping them in a lot of games, honestly. Uh, Anthony Davis, Teague, Teague's probably taking Teague, a, a bit of a step back. The Grizzlies in general. Um, Anthony Davis, a- Anthony Davis, I actually will say is top three for me with with Wiggins and Miritich, just because I I have money. Like I I made a bet before the season uh, for American dollars that Anthony Davis was going to win the MVP, and that's you know just a, a big slap in the face to Steph Curry, who like won the MVP in the first week of the season. But uh, Davis, to me, it like this was supposed to be the year that. You know, we've we've been saying like I'd been saying that he was maybe the best player in the league even like last year. There were times when I thought you could make that case just based on how he was playing at the time. Uh this was supposed to be the year when like national media type people were saying that like he had taken that torch from LeBron and it not even He's close. taken a step back. Like and, LeBron's been yeah, surprisingly good, I Curry's think, if anything. He's taken that torch right. from whoever, like from LeBron, I guess, and, and yep. it doesn't seem like he's gonna give it to Davis anytime soon. Right, yeah, exactly. I think I think it went from I don't think anyone thought that it was a fluke season last year from from Curry. Mm-hmm. But I also don't think that people thought that he could get any better and he did and has been. Uh and whereas Davis, you know, it's hard to poke holes in his numbers, but mm-hmm. I mean, I think people were expecting like the big man version of this Curry season from Davis, if that makes sense. Like ridiculous line after ridiculous line and it's been, you know, every 3 or 4 games he'll 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 mm-hmm. put up something crazy, but the consistency hasn't been there. Obviously, there's the injuries, but they've been healthy for the most part for the last couple of months, and things really haven't gotten much better. No, I I, I don't really throw them in here just because they're they're kind of around sort of where I thought they'd be. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I think that that probably wraps it up. Should yeah. we hit those prospects real quick? Um, yeah, we will in, in a second. But first, uh, a word from our span our sponsor our sponsor, uh, Fanduel <laughs> DraftKings, and uh, in, in what is now going to be the worst read of all time. Fantasy football <laughs> may be winding down as we get to the divisional round in the NFL this weekend. But DraftKings.com is not messing around. DraftKings is America's favorite one week fantasy football site where you can win enormous cash prizes every week. You already researched the players for your season long fantasy team. Turn that knowledge into instant cash now at DraftKings.com. Last year, one player turned eleven thousand, excuse me, eleven bucks into four thousand dollars in one weekend. Another one, hundred grand, his first time ever playing. And this season alone, six players have won a million dollars in one day just playing fantasy football. Keep your season-long league where it is, but also play one-week fantasy at DraftKings.com to win huge cash this weekend. Head over to DraftKings.com now. Enter that promo code that we mentioned at the top, Roto Hoops. That'll give you free entry with your first deposit today. DraftKings.com, bigger events, bigger winnings, bigger millionaires. Enter Roto Hoops for free entry now at DraftKings.com. That's DraftKings.com. All right, so let's talk prospects. Um, we want to touch on three guys today, uh, two guys from Cal and one from Utah. So sticking with the Pac-12, uh, who do you want to start with here? We got Pirtle, uh, Rab, and, and Jalen Brown. Uh, let's do Brown first. Cause I think he's, 
a top – he's ranked higher, I think, on most draft boards than, than the other three, uh, at least from what I've seen. Jalen Brown's been the highest of these three. Yeah, yeah. And this is a guy who you – know, the, the comparison that's been thrown around by some is Jason Richardson. Uh, we'll kind of we'll go back and forth what we think about that. Um, but you just wrote an article that went up on rotowire.com. Uh, if you're a subscriber, you can go ahead and read that. We'll link it uh, on the Rotowire Twitter page. Uh, it's the prospect post. <coughs> Excuse me. An ongoing series that you've been doing all year where you just take a look at some of these top prospects. Um, so you, you talked about all three of these guys in the post. So I'll kind of let you take it uh, from here and just give me your initial thoughts on Jalen Brown from what you saw. So he's awesome at getting to the rack and finishing, uh, and he's just got a great motor on offense, uh, always looking to attack, always looking to – to get to the I mean he he loves dunking over people I mean I, I sort of said he was like the wing version of Blake Griffin basically like that's you know his goal when he gets the ball is to take it to the hoop and I really admire that about him I mean not a lot of guys are like that a lot of people settle for jumpers and stuff that's that's definitely not him a uh, big part of that is he's not a great shooter which is it's going to be a knock on him you know, shooting 28.6 percent from three uh you know when when Jay Rich entered the NBA draft, he was shooting 40% from three in college. So that's, that's where that comparison kind of ends for me. Uh, the, the big issue for him, like he's either going to have to be a better shooter or a very good defender. And I think it's a better bet that he becomes a better defender because the, the jump shot just doesn't look good. I think it would take a, a lot of work on his part to get that to even like a 34% clip at, at the NBA level. Whereas I think, you know, just he seems like he has a really good motor, and I think that that'll help him in terms of guarding guys like Clay Thompson and and Jimmy Butler at the next level. Uh, you know, I, I think there's just so few guys in today's NBA that are wings that can't shoot that well. And are like we've seen Tony Allen become almost obsolete because teams have noticed what other teams have done and they've just put – their worst defender on him sort of and and just kind of focus on everybody else and it really hurts the team so i i was looking you know guys that kind of come to mind are like grant hill and dominique wilkins in terms of just wings that were super athletic and didn't rely on the three at all uh those guys are kind of once in a generation type slashers though so i, I think it's unrealistic to expect brown to get to that level but i think if you if you're drafting him sort of in the top six which is where i think he'll probably go uh you're you're kind of hoping he gets like 85 percent of the way there you know and and you can use him as you know maybe he's your starting two maybe he's your starting three but ideally whoever your other wing is is a just deadly shooter and your point guard's a deadly shooter too and you you maybe have a stretch four to boot so that that would help kind of mask his his spacing issues, but I definitely think he's a guy that's going to have no problem getting to the rack, even against NBA defenses. So you said the the Jason Richardson comparison for you kind of begins and ends with the shooting, um, or ends with the shooting, I should say. Is there anyone else that you think he profiles as? You, know, you mentioned Dominique Wilkins. Like, what about a Jimmy Butler? I mean, this is a guy who didn't shoot threes whatsoever to start his college career. Almost played mm-hmm. played inside a lot, from what I remember, and then kind of transitioned into like an entirely new yeah. type of player by the time he got to the NBA. Well, not and even, you know, I think he just worked on his game tirelessly his first and second and third years in the league and got got himself to the point where he was a good shooter. Um, Butler's just got a rare drive, I think. You know, one of those those rare guys that's just never going to stop working uh, to get better. And you know, if, if Brown has that same kind of drive. I think he can get to the point where he is a, is a solid shooter, but I, I just wouldn't bet on it. Like, I think if you're drafting him, if he gets there, that's great. But if not, like, even as, like, a rookie, like, I think he should be working on his three-pointer, like, in practice and stuff like that. But I would basically tell him as a rookie, like, we don't want you taking threes. We want you, you know, getting the other team in foul trouble, getting to the line, all that stuff. So, uh, you know, Butler's not a bad – comp in terms DeRozan, of maybe DeRozan's another guy I thought of uh but even DeRozan's a pretty darn good uh long jump shot shooter which is weird like he's line. like really yeah. good if you take a step in yeah. from the free throw line so uh, Brown's just line. Brown's just very unique um my favorite of of the three guys that I wrote about was Ivan Rab though 
who's Brown's teammate and just has a lot more translatable game, I think, and, and a more projectable game. I think he's got the highest upside and the highest floor of these three just because, you know, he's definitely got the body of a power forward, so you know he can handle the four. Really great finisher, shooting 64% on the year, uh, shooting eight 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 8.7 rebounds in less than 27 minutes a game kind of speaks to that. 1.4 blocks, so, you know, he can handle himself on both ends. Uh, he's got a really good jump shot from, like, 10 to 12 you know sometimes if he's open like 15 feet uh and that kind of and he shoots shoots it well from the line for a guy his size so i i definitely think whoever ends up drafting him is gonna do so with the hope of him you know establishing a three-point shot in three or four years uh the comp that's out there that is is pretty lofty is chris bosh but i actually think it fits him really well in terms of like a, a ceiling because he's definitely got the same body as Bosch did at this at this point in his career and a lot of the same traits. Yeah, yeah, he's he's skinny, but he's also not he's not like John Henson, you know, coming no. out of UNC skinny where like you, you certainly want him to put on weight, but he's also not a guy that you have to sit for like a year just because he, he just gets beat up. Um no, I do like the Bosch comparison. I think he's he's kind of sneaky quick for that size. I mean, he's not you know, I mean, what, what is he, is he listed at six ten, six eleven? Uh, he Something like is that. six nine, six like nine, almost six nine and se- and three quarters. All so, right, we'll so give him six ten. Yeah, and you know, he, he certainly doesn't move like a you know like a Durant type of six ten, but he mo- he moves a lot like a Bosch six ten, and that that's a big advantage. I mean, and you know, Bosch sometimes can look slow next to certain players, but I mean, not many guys and, that have that combination of strength, post moves, defense, you know, have that kind of quickness. And he's got a bigger, he's got a longer wingspan at 7'2 than, than Jacob Pertle has at 7'1. And, and Pertle stands 7'1, and Rab's got a, lo- a longer wingspan. So, I mean, that just sort of speaks to his length, which right. is why he's such a good finisher. And, and there was a game, those two teams played uh, at the start of this month, and Rab actually out physical. Pirtle at times, I thought, and, and Pirtle's the bigger body of the right, two. We'll get sure. to him in a sec. But do you think there's anything, you know, Robin and especially Jalen Brown? I mean, Brown is a consensus top five, top three recruit by most services. Rab, you know, a guy who's been on the radar forever. I remember reading about him when he was in like eighth grade. And do you think going to Cal, which certainly isn't you know a mid major by any means, but it's not Kentucky, it's not Duke, it's not you know Kansas, Michigan State. Do you think that's hurt them a little bit? Not as far as draft. Uh, stock you know I think teams know what they're looking at but as far as like national profile I don't think that that's a bad thing like I mean they're definitely lesser known than guys on Kentucky and Duke and North Carolina but they're they're I don't think the lack of exposure is bad like I think that like you said NBA teams know who all these guys are you know teams will find guys in D2 if they have to I mean it's not a not an issue there and I don't think uh I think going to a school where like basketball isn't as big a deal is is not necessarily the worst thing. I wouldn't have gone to Cal if I was them, but I mean I'm sure there were some shady deals that got them both there. Uh, yeah, kinda, so. you kind of wonder about that too, because um, it was kind of you know nobody it wasn't like these guys were locks to go to Cal all along by no. any means. Uh, um, but it can go both ways, you know. If, if you're playing well, it's pretty good to be at Kentucky because you know that's. You know that's the number one market as far as I just don't think it national. matters at all like, for the why? NBA for NBA stock it doesn't. I just mean like just you know how what else? Like, what else? I think I honestly about? think the average college basketball fan probably doesn't know who either of these guys are. But why? Like I guess I don't see how that matters at all. Like for any reason. Like I mean, I was just asking in general, like just for basic, like basic publicity. It I mean, doesn't matter for their they're stock. They're both getting laid. Like. You know. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's not like they. I'm not they, concerned about that. Like, I, I don't think they have any issue with people like in New York not knowing who they are. I, I mean, guess. I, I think some, some people do. I don't know. Maybe it hurts them in terms of like a sneaker deal or something like. Sure, that. but like, I, but it, but it can also help too. Like if if you switched out Rab and and Labissiere, 
uh, you know, Scal's probably just having like a quiet freshman season at Cal as opposed to being like the biggest bust of oh, all time at Kentucky. If you're gonna be bad, you, you yeah. don't want to be at Kentucky. Exactly. Like I think if you're yeah, that's that's definitely the case. I I, I think if you're gonna be good, I don't think it really matters. Yeah. Okay, so talk, tell me about Jakob Pertl. Uh, and tell me how you get Jakob Pertl out of P O E L T L. I can't tell you that. Uh, I know he's uh, Austrian. We'll have to um, bring up like a, a roto linguist. <laughs> but uh, really quick, I think we got like a minute or two. Oh shoot, we he's do. he's. I thought you made a great comp for him, Tiago Splitter. Um, that that's basically who I I kind of see with him. I don't see a guy that I would want to take as a as a top seven or eight pick, just because I think there's a very limited ceiling here. I don't see Vucevic. I don't see Brook Lopez. Uh, but you know he's gonna be a guy that that plays twenty plus minutes a game for a few years at least as as a backup big. Maybe he turns into a bit more than that. But I, I like the two Cal guys more. Uh, I I think I'd be willing to take Rab, Rab in the first uh, first four or five picks. I think you know after that you might as well roll the dice on Jalen Brown. I probably could get to ten guys before I'd want to take Jakob Pertl, but uh, you know he'll he'll go in the lottery for sure. Okay, yeah, I agree. We'll wrap that up quick. Um, quick word from another one of our sponsors, Wix.com. Do you need a website? Why not do it yourself with Wix.com? No matter what business you're in, Wix has something for you. It's used by more than 75 million people worldwide. Wix.com makes it easy to get your website live today. You need to get the word out about your business. It all starts with a stunning website with hundreds of designs made, customizable templates to choose from, the drag and drop editor. There's no coding needed. You don't need to be a programmer or designer to create something beautiful. You can do it yourself with Wix.com. Wix empowers business owners to create their own professional websites every day. When you're running your own business, you're bound to be busy, probably too busy, uh, worrying about your budget, worrying about scheduling appointments, uh, and worried about anything else to do with that business. Basically, you're going to be too busy to build a website for your business. And because you're too busy, it has to be easy. That's where Wix.com comes in with Wix. It's easy and free. Go to Wix, that's W-I-X.com, to create your own website today. The result is stunning. All right, so we got like two minutes here. So we wanted to, unfortunately, we're going to have to cut this shorter than we wanted to, but we want to introduce a new game. So as we've probably hinted at at this podcast, if you listened, I don't watch movies. I'm notorious around the Rotowire office for not watching movies, having no knowledge of, of popular movies. So basically what we wanted to do is James was going to just list movies and I was going to say whether I've seen them or not, which you know sounds great in, in, in practice, but we're going to take it a step further. And he's going to list a movie. If I haven't seen it, I have to try to attempt to explain what happens in that movie based on maybe something I've heard about it, the title, uh, basically anything that I might know about it. So do you have a movie queued up? All right. The movie is Entrapment. Entrapment. Uh, well, I haven't. I, haven't, I thought you were going to say Inception at first. I was going to be happy about that. Entrapment. Uh, well, I haven't seen that. But as we all know, that's the one um, stars Justin Timberlake as a <laughs> bear trapper. And he's out in the North Woods, um, and he's trying to, you know, he's trying to trap bears, which is where you get the entrap part of entrapment. Um, but it then turns out that, you know, he doesn't have the right tags to trap these bears, so the local police end up setting up a trap for him uh, to get caught. But then it's found out that they did this illegally, and it was entrapment. And that, that's, is that right? Very, very close. Okay. Very close. Cool. I thought I had it. I felt, I felt pretty good about that. Uh, we'll, we'll have to have you watch that one over the next All month. All right. What's the next so. movie? we got two minutes. Um, do we want to do more than one per pod? I, well, i gotta, I got to finish on a high note. Okay. Uh, speed. I've seen Speed. Okay. Bus. Bus moving quickly, right? Um, traffic. You gotta give me, I need something with like more context clues. Traffic. Um <laughs> Jeez, this could be about anything. Uh, like well, the one word ones. Yeah, you're starting <laughs> off we're starting off hot here. Uh, like traffic. Well, uh, you know, uh, you, you don't even have to say it. We all know. Uh, <laughs> so there's you know there's a lot of traffic. It takes place in New York, and it's just you know it's a buddy comedy where these guys are just like, man, we're sick of waiting in traffic all the time. Uh, so they start an illegal taxi service, and it's kind of like a. Yeah, not a romantic comedy, but it's one of those like a lot of hijinks, you know. And it's like, are they gonna, you know, this, everything's going well, but then there's a, you know, there's a, an antagonist that a rival taxi company tries to shut them down, and you know, and by the end of it, they're they're right back where they started. And they're just stuck in traffic in New York. I think I think that's that's the high note we needed there. All right, I thought again, <laughs> I, yeah, I thought if I, I think I nailed that one. I felt pretty good I can't about believe that. You've seen Speed. 
Sorry. What a bummer. <laughs> Sorry, man. <laughs> All right. Um, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll pick this up on the next Roadwire <laughs> podcast. But yeah, like we said, we're short on time today. But thanks to our sponsors, Wix.com, DraftKings.com. Be sure to get those lineups in for Thursday's NBA slate. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.